You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Okay, good morning everyone. If you want to just come, grab your seats again. We're going to start to get in to what we have this morning. It's great to see you all. This morning, just as we were worshipping, I was thinking, man, I love this church. And I don't just mean the building, could probably do a little bit of updating. I mean the people. Um, and it was just great being here um, this morning with you all. Now, I know last week we had that um, great celebration, and we had our, our sort of special Sunday. Um, and we've been following this series of our five heart attributes of the church. Um, and that's kind of come to a close now, um, even though, you know, as a church, we still believe this. So this morning, I'm taking you on a slightly different journey. Um, and we're going to actually be looking at a book in the Old Testament um, for a change, which is gonna, hopefully you're really going to enjoy. But I just want to share with you my heart this morning and something that God has just been speaking to me about um, over the past week, really. Um, so... Just before I get into it, side note, all the young people, I need to speak to you afterwards about our net social, which is happening on 20th of June, just because I know they'll pay attention now and not later, so it's better to do that now. Okay, fab, thank you guys. Okay, um, so this journey really started for me on Monday, and I was just having one of those conversations with my mum, as you kind of do. Girls, we chit-chat, we chat about kind of random stuff, right, and my mum kind of just came out with one of those throwawayable phrases, which she probably didn't even realize she'd said. And we were having this discussion, and all of a sudden she comes out with, um, well, you know, well, Daniel, he was a risk taker. I was like, huh. And something just in the middle of that conversation just stood out to me. And I'm, those words kind of kept going around in my head, even though the conversation progressed, and I can't even remember what it was about. Um, but that phrase stuck in my mind. And so... I kind of thought, oh, Daniel, you know what? I haven't read that book in a while. And then in the prayer meeting on Tuesday night, as Tyler has just shared, he spoke from Daniel. I was thinking, God, are you trying to say something here? Which often he does, and he gives you little confirmations about things. And so I started to read the book of Daniel again. And I started to look into it, and I thought, man, this guy, or these guys, as the book is about, is they're all great risk-takers. They take risks. And so... This morning, this is where I want to take us, um, to this idea, looking at this idea of being a risk taker. And so I want to start with really defining what that word risk means. Um, so I kind of started by going to the dictionary, which is a great place to go if you don't know what a word means. Young people, take note. Dictionary is a good thing to use. Okay, so the dictionary says that a risk is the potential of losing something of value. Or it says, the intentional interaction with uncertainty. I thought, okay, that's great. But I want to find out, what do people think the word risk means? So I asked some of the young people, and they're chuckling now because I'm going to quote them, um, what they think the word risk means. And so I've got a couple of what they said. And it's, it's interesting to hear kind of what people's own interpretation of a word means. So one of them said, a risk... Or the word risk means if you do something, it might have a bad outcome, but it could have a good um, outcome. Might have a bad one, might have a good one. It's a risk. You don't know what's going to happen. The second one that somebody said was that a risk is something that is out of a comfort zone and has a potential danger or a consequence. We have some clever young people around us. 
Okay, third one. A risk is when you're in a situation and you choose to do what deep down you think is right, no matter what the consequence. And another one said, a risk is something when you're exposed to danger. Okay. I, I then asked them another question. I said, could you give me an example of what you think a big risk would be? And they said, one was to gamble your life to save someone else's. Another said, to not trust what God is doing for you. And another one said, the biggest risk in life is to be different and unique, even if people around you will judge you. Now, the reason why I'm looking at all this and why I'm really defining this word and we're looking at what it could possibly mean is because I really want us to grasp what it means because we're going to be mentioning this word a lot as we're looking at these passages. And I want us to understand what we're talking about when we say the word risk. You see, the one thing I believe is that God wants us as Christians to be risk takers. He wants us to be risk takers for Christ. And as one of these young people said, is that he wants us to stand out and be different, even when everyone else around us is doing something else. And I think as Christians, that's something that God wants us to do. He wants us to stand out, to stand up for for what we believe, for what he says. So to emphasize this point, we're now going to look at the book of Daniel. We're going to turn, if you want to turn with me to Daniel 1. Um, we're going to look at, look at two different stories um, in the time we have this morning, if it doesn't run away from us. So to give a little bit of the context, the book starts with King Nebuchadnezzar invading Judah and uh, taking sacred items and plunder and uh, members of the royal line as captives. So it kind of starts in a dreary state for poor old Israel, um, as again, they have been taken over by yet another people group. And so we start with this image. But what we find is that actually our heroes, if you want to put it that way, um, were saved kind of at the beginning. They were taken, um, they were chosen by uh, the king's officials uh, to come and stay with the king, and to be trained by the Babylonians. Now, they're not treated as prisoners, even though they were captured, but they were treated really, really well, and they were given an amazing education. And they were chosen because they were strong, they were healthy, they were good-looking, and they were trained in the best possible way. The Babylonians in those days had the best teaching, the best literature. Everything was like top class. So the four boys that I'm talking about are Daniel, known as Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And these were Hebrew boys who had been brought up in the Jewish traditions, but they were young people. They were not old. They were young boys. But as you'll read through in these stories, you'll find that they were not ordinary boys. And that they had been chosen for this particular purpose that God had for them. So let's read together in Daniel 1, verse 8. And we're going to read to verse 14. And we're going to read about one of the first risks that they took. Okay, it says, But Daniel, he resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. 
Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So what had happened basically is that the king had said, oh, I want to give these young men who I'm training to be my officials, I want to give them the best food from my kitchen, the best meat, everything the best. And there's nothing wrong with the best food. And Really, Daniel, after kind of surviving captivity and being chosen, you know, he could have just gone along with eating this food. I don't think, you know, God wouldn't have minded. It's just food at the end of the day, isn't it? Well, that's where the difference is, you see, because it wasn't just food. In fact, the food which they were being offered would have been also offered to the Babylonian gods. It would have been food that probably was not prepared in the Jewish way, in the kosher way. So in other words, it was food that did not honor God. And Daniel, even though him and his friends at such a young age, they would have been teenagers, even though they were young, they understood that this didn't honor God. And they wanted to put God first in their lives. Now, some might think, well, they could have just not eaten it. It could have just come to them and they could have just eaten the vegetables and stuff and left everything that they didn't want to the side. Why did they even have to say anything? But you see, Daniel was making a point He was saying, even though you have taken me from my homeland, even though you've taken me away from everything I know, you have not taken God out of me. God still lives within me. God is still my God. You cannot change what I believe. You cannot change who I am. Even though you can take me away from everything that I know and I've I've been brought up with. So these boys took a risk. They decided, we still want to honor God. And so, even though it was endangering their own lives, it was endangering the lives of the chief of staff, they believed it was a risk worth taking. Now, sometimes, I think in our lives, our journeys can start with little risks. And I think food, for them, it was kind of a little risk. And you'll see what I mean when you hear the second story, you'll understand what I mean in comparison so for us, sometimes think, I think in our lives, we need to take little risks. We need to take little steps of faith before we take the big ones. God needs to see our faithfulness in the small things. So for example, um, the language we use. Maybe as Christians, we should be more careful with the language we use. How do we come across to people? Do we laugh at maybe the crude jokes, the things which don't honor God, for the risk of standing out from the social norm or being made to feel like we're completely different? Or maybe we risk our reputation for not going along with the crowd. But in that, are we honoring God? It's this culture of honor, really. And I think sometimes we can we can lose that element of, you know what, we do serve God, and yes, he's our Father, but he's also God Most High. Now, I'm not saying we have to work for our faith and we have to do good things all the time. I'm not saying that at all. But there is this element of Christianity of um, being holy, as I am holy, is what Scripture says. Let's strive to be Christ in every situation, to be Christ in our lives. Now, 
as I said, these guys understood that and they are willing to risk everything for it, really. Now, we read the results in Daniel 1, 15. I'm going to just go there and read what happened next. Now it says, At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. So it's amazing what happened. Just by eating vegetables and sticking to what they believed, they were the most healthiest out of all the boys around there. Now, that's amazing. I think, because you don't always get all the nutrition just from vegetables. You do kind of need some other things as well. But I see that as like a miracle, that God sustained them in that time. So in honoring God, he honored them. And then we read further on from verse 18. It says, at the, t- at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So not only did they kind of just get over that, they found this amazing favour with King Nebuchadnezzar. And I believe wholeheartedly that when we honour God today, he still bestows his favour upon us. I have an example from uh, my own life, my family's life. When my brother was about seven or eight years old, he was really good at football, really talented. Um, And he started to join this football club in the area, a local football team. And... They practiced uh, on a Friday evening and sometimes on a Saturday, but all the matches were on a Sunday. And as a family, uh, my parents being in leadership, we would always go to church on a Sunday. It was like a no-brainer. You were always at church on Sunday. It's what we do. It's, we have one day a week that we honor God with, and that's on a Sunday. And my brother was doing really, really well, and the coach said, Jamie, you know, you've made the team. We, wanna, we want you to play on our team. The match is on Sunday. And my brother went to my mum was like, Mom, Mom, I made the team. I can, I can be in the match on Sunday. And mum's like, hold on, what day did you say? He's like, Sunday. And my mum thought about it and thought, well, it is only one day. But our family, we honour God on a Sunday. And so she said to my brother, Jamie, I'm really sorry, but on a Sunday morning we go to church. We honour God on a Sunday, so you cannot play in the match because it's on a Sunday. And my brother threw a hissy fit and a strop, as this was what he loved to do, and he was good at it. And so my mum explained to the coach, she said, I'm really sorry, but on a church, we're Christians, and we go, sorry, on a Sunday, we're Christians, and we go to church. So he cannot play on a Sunday. So the coach obviously thought about it, went away. And the next thing we know, the coach has come back and said, listen, We think Jamie has real talent. We want him to play with us. So we've decided to move our whole league to a Saturday, just for him. I think that God still honors. If we honor God, he still bestows his favor on us today. And I've seen that in my own life. That's not just an old story taken thousands of years ago for an old book in the Bible. That's relevant. That's today. And I could tell you many more stories, much more famous people, like the story of Eric Liddell, 
who wouldn't run on a Sunday. These are just sports stories, but there are other ones out there. Take a moment to look at them if you want more inspiration about it. It's about risks. You see, my mum took a risk of Jamie not playing football again, of him just maybe having a broken heart, of remaining just at home and being resentful. But you see that risk, in that risk, God came through with a miracle that became a testimony of how great is our God. Some risks are definitely worth taking. Now, the story of these four boys doesn't end there. And for the second half of this time, I want to look at the story of three particular boys, which is found in Daniel 3. And it's quite a famous story, but they're probably more known for their Babylonian names, which is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, the Babylonians had changed their names to try and make them more into the Babylonian culture and take away their Hebrew identity. But you see, it didn't change who they really were on the inside. It didn't change the God they served just by changing a name. So, we read in Daniel 3, verses 1 to 6, and we see... What's going on now? Time has passed. These guys have been in a position of responsibility. King Nebuchadnezzar, he knows them. He'd picked them a while ago. And we see now what the situation is going on. Chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide. It's about 27 meters high and 2.7 meters wide. And set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you were commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So this is what's set before them. And again, these boys have a choice to make. What do we do? Do we just bow down with everyone else? Because that would be the easiest thing. I mean, we don't really want to die or get thrown into a blazing furnace. What do we do? But you see, this is what I love about these boys, their dedication. They haven't forgotten God. They continue and they decide, you know what, we're going to take a risk. So every time that music was played and everyone else bowed down, you know the story of these boys, they did not bow down. They stood firm and they carried on with what they were doing. But they didn't go unnoticed. Of course, you see, if everybody is doing something, when one person doesn't, it's very noticeable. And so we then read on in Daniel 3, chapter, sorry, verse 13 to 18. After these boys have, um, they've been told on, they've been dobbed in. 
It says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. What an amazing response. They know the consequences. And the thing I see here is that King Nebuchadnezzar, he liked these boys. He'd chosen them. He gave them another chance. Because you see, in the original scripture, it says, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. But he doesn't do it with these boys. He gives them a second chance. He says, come on, guys. Bow down. You can live. I don't have to throw you into this blazing furnace. But the boys stand firm, even though they've been given a get out. They stand firm. And they decide, you know what? We believe wholeheartedly that our God is able to deliver us. He is able to rescue us. And I think it's the second thing that astounds me. When they say, and even if he doesn't, even though he's totally capable of, even if it's not his will, we will not serve your gods. Even if he doesn't do it, we're still not going to worship you. For me, that talks about a deep, deep down conviction that they had. And I think it was one of the young people, again, that their definition was when you're in a situation and you choose to do what deep down you think is right, no matter what the consequence. That's a great definition of risk. It was a risk they took. So the punishment for these boys was to be thrown into this furnace, which was made seven times hotter, the usual amount. And they were bound. And as they were being thrown in, even the guards that were taking them died immediately by the flames that came out of that fire. It was hot. We think the weather's quite warm today. It was way hotter than that. It was very, very warm. So they were bound and they were thrown in. Now we're going to pick up the story again. We're reading a lot of scripture today, but it's got a lot of truth in it that I hope you can just pull out of here as well. So we're going to read out from verse 25 to 27, just a couple more verses. And King Nebuchadnezzar looks into this furnace and he sees something that completely astounds him. He looks and he says, hey, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed and the fourth looks like a son of the gods Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego servants of the most high God come out and come here 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and all royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was one hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing miracle we see here. When I read this, I get excited. Those guys took this amazing risk. And because of that, God was completely and utterly glorified. I just stand amazed. You see, before King Nebuchadnezzar had said, no God could serve, no, no God could save you. Yet at the end, Nebuchadnezzar was brought to a place where he has to identify that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the most high God. That there is no other God. And the Babylonians had many gods that they worshipped. But he has to admit that because of the risk that these boys have taken, there is no other God. You see, these boys refused to comply. They chose to do what? What was right in their eyes, what was right in the eyes of God. And an amazing miracle occurs. Now, something that really stood out to me, which I think is quite interesting in our Christian walk of life, is that they actually got thrown into the fire. Now, it might sound like I'm just repeating it, but when you think about it, they actually got thrown into the fire. You see, God could have saved them before they got thrown into the fire. But they actually got thrown into the fire. Meaning that God sometimes allows us to go through fire. To go through difficult situations. And I thought that was really interesting. You see, these boys had displayed faith. They believed God. They'd said this to King Nebuchadnezzar. Surely that was enough. But the fact that they get thrown in just demonstrates to me that sometimes we have to go through these challenging situations. But then as we look a little bit more closely, we see something amazing. And so I just want to read Daniel 3, verse 25, one more time. It says, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of God. Now, as I was studying this, something really interesting came out to me. You see, that term, walking around, that phrase is used one other place in the Bible. And you find it in Genesis 3, verse 8 to 9, which reads, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, meaning Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking around in the garden. You see, the God that walked with Adam and Eve was the same God that walked with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. It's the same God. And this is what I find amazing, is yes, God puts us in the fire sometimes. He allows us for us to go in there. But he is the one walking around with us in the fire. He is the one with us, sustaining us, making sure no harm comes to us. And this, for me, just blew my mind. He blew blew my mind. You see, he also walks through with us in the cool evenings when life is great. But he doesn't abandon us when life gets difficult. It's amazing. Now, taking risks may lead 
us in some scary and uncertain and unknown places. But I think one thing we can pull from this story is that God is always with us. I didn't really know how to conclude this um, talk. I don't know what taking a risk looks like for you. And I don't want to tell you what taking a risk should be for you. You see, some risks aren't quite worth taking. You see, when the Babylonians captured Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they changed their names. Now, the boys could have fought to keep their names. They could have taken that risk. They could have gone, actually, you know, this is our identity. Our names have meaning. We want to keep those names that our mothers and fathers gave us. But that risk they didn't take. They allowed their names to be changed. And sometimes in our lives, there are some risks that, you know what, they're not our battles to fight. And so this morning, I don't want to tell you what you must and mustn't do when it comes to taking risks, because it has to be a conviction on your own heart. You have to understand when God is telling you to go and when God is not telling you to go. And that comes through listening to him and knowing his voice. Spending time with him and understanding what really doesn't honour God and what really doesn't matter. What I do want you to be this morning is to be inspired. As I have been by these amazing stories, just reading and studying about these amazing guys. And as Tom and the band come up now, I want us just to stand amazed and astonished and utterly and completely in love with our God this morning. Maybe there's some risks that you think, oh, I should have taken in the past, or I should have done this. Well, now's not the time to dwell on the past, because the past is the past. But what we can dwell on is the future. And we can make a declaration or a decision this morning which says that, God, you know what? I'm going to stand up for what is right. I'm going to stand up for what honors you. But it has to be a conviction from your own heart. It has to be a decision that you are completely and utterly sure about. But what I want to tell you is that even if that results in some tricky situations, some difficult conversations, God is with you. He is walking in the fire with you. He does not abandon us. And that's the amazing God that we serve. So I'm not going to make a public appeal or anything here this morning because I believe this is a heart conviction which is only between you and God. But I'm going to allow space for the Holy Spirit to move here and for him to talk to us. But this is something that I don't think will just end at this service, but I hope that as you go away and as you face situations this week, this month, wherever in the rest of your life, you remember that God calls us to be risk takers for Christ. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.